Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Hey everyone, Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck with me, and that makes this stuff you should nizzo. <laughs> That's right. Mr. Dog. Yeah. Man, Mr. D a double G. <laughs> What's that one uh, song he had? A sensual Seduction. What a great song that was. I'm not sure if I know it. Would I know it if I heard it? Uh, probably, but it was like kind of a weird synth, dancey, early 80s vibe, much oh, more nice. than a rap vibe. He was I just gotcha. expanding out. Yeah, yeah. Was, was Martha Stewart on it? No, which is kind of surprising because <laughs> I heard she got like a huge tattoo of him. Uh, really? No, it was like a oh. Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> she oh, did. okay. I didn't yeah. see it. Yeah. Gotcha. She could have, though. I'm a rube. No, you're not, Chuck. You just don't pay enough attention to commercials. Uh, should we talk non-compete agreements? Yes, I think we should because they turn out to be rather onerous. Yeah. Possibly <laughs> soon to be illegal. Yay. And just kind of scummy because, yeah. as you'll see, they're frequently used by big business. But if you're a free market capitalist, you're not allowed to like non-compete agreements. Because it literally hobbles competition, which is the point of free markets. And one of the great things about competition is that you and me and everybody else listening out there who doesn't own a business and just buys stuff usually gets better prices, better products, um, more innovation when there's greater competition. And yeah. non-competition agreements, non-compete agreements do the opposite of that. They stifle all those things on purpose for the benefit of just one company. It's right there in the name. They even, they gave away their hand when they called them no competes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's pretty flagrant. It is. If you don't know what we're talking about, um, about one in five Americans work under an NCA and a non-compete is when, and hopefully you've never had to sign one of these. Hopefully you're not one of the 20-ish uh, percent of, of workers in the United States, but if you are working under one, then you know what it is. It's it's a thing that you sign when you get a job, um, usually when you get a job. Sometimes they can come along a little later in yeah. the job mm -hmm. if you get like a promotion or something. Mm -hmm. But it's a condition of getting that job most times that basically says, hey, if you work here, you can't go quit your job and then go get a job at another company that's a rival of ours. Uh -huh. uh, or you can't run off and like if you're a, um, if you're a vet, a vet, let's say, and you and you help out doggies and kitties and Komodo dragons or whatever, uh -huh. you got to sign one that says, "Hey, you can't go start up your own vet practice 
And there's usually a certain amount of time, uh, like six months or three months or a year or two years, mm-hmm. generally where it caps off. Although I'm sure there are some really draconian ones that stretch on for years and years. Yeah, I've seen five is the highest I've seen, but I'm sure somebody's pushing the envelope five beyond Five years. It. You can't go make a living in doing what you do. Exactly. Uh, so you can hear by the tone of my voice how I feel about these things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and be fair. I know you're you're with me. We're Always. pro we're pro employee. <laughs> yeah. Surprise also, surprise. Also pro competition too, but okay, go ahead. We're pro employee, so that's kind of where our heart lies. Uh we are employees, so that's why that's where our heart lies for right. the most part. Yeah. Um but having said that, I do get in certain circumstances why businesses draw these up at least. As usual, Chuck, I'm right there with you. Totally agree. Should we talk about these few reasons? Yeah, there's one other. There's a couple of other things just to kind of do the outlines of these things. Uh, in addition to a, a length of time, usually, like you said, that you're prohibited yeah. from going and working for yourself or a competitor. Um, there's also sometimes geographical restrictions. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Which says, you you know, you can't work for a competitor in the same state or something like that. Right. Feel free to move, completely upend your life and move. <laughs> right. Fine with us, but you yeah. can't do it in the state. And then <clears throat> one of the other times it pops up pretty frequently outside of the corporate world is when, say, you sell a restaurant. You'll usually sign a non-compete that says you're not going to go down the block and create the same restaurant again right. and compete with the one you just sold. Because, you know, again, like you said, there's some instances where it does seem... Okay, and, and yeah, let's go over some of those. Yeah, uh, one of them is uh, guarding trade secrets. I, I kind of get where they're coming from. If you have a trade secret that's really valuable uh, and it's something that this company owns or, or thought up at least or has the IP rights to, mm-hmm. I get why a company would not want to say like, sure, just go quit the job and take those secrets with you to a competitor. Yeah, like, um, do you remember when those former Coke employees went up, went to Pepsi yeah. and said, "Hey, we've got Coke's recipe. You want it?" <laughs> yeah, and must have been so surprised when Pepsi called Coke and said, "Hey, you've got a big problem here." <laughs> yeah, that was pretty interesting. But yes, I'm quite sure they signed all sorts of agreements that they violated in doing that. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into the details later on, but you don't necessarily like you can cover trade secrets with uh, by other means rather than just signing a non-compete as right. an employer. Right. What else? Well, uh, this one I kind of get to, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, companies oftentimes will make great investments in their employees to keep them around, like mm-hmm. whether it's just the normal training routine, which, you know, I know from Emily just having her small business, it takes a long time to get someone really up to speed and for someone to either not work out by just organic circumstances or leaving shortly thereafter, it's a big blow, especially to a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get that. Uh, or they may like further your education, say, hey, we'll put you through grad school or something like that. But you got to come take that grad school knowledge and help our business with it. Sure. The point is that you you don't want to invest a bunch of time and effort and information into training an employee and have them go take it to a competitor. Yeah, I get that somewhat. There's another one. I'll bet you get this a little less because I do too. Yeah. Like I understand it. I just don't agree with it. And that is um, to keep bases of clients, right? So um, like if you're, if you are, uh, if you cut hair at a hair salon, there's, especially depending on the salon, but there's a really good chance that you signed a non-compete that says 
like you probably can't cut hair in the same town right anywhere else that's like pretty prevalent from what i understand at like hair salons there's other places too that try them like law firms sometimes try them um, vet clinics like you you recommended. But I believe there's also some industries, including attorneys and fiduciaries, that say it's too important for the client to be able to choose exactly who they want for us to have non-competes so they kind of customarily avoid them. Yeah, this is – you're on uh, target because this is the one that I have the one of the most problems with out of these three because this <clears throat> basically says um, we can kind of treat you poorly – as an employer, like right. if you're, let's say if you're a hairstylist and you don't like your situation, but you've got these clients who love the way that your, their hair is getting cut by you, mm-hmm. but you got some terrible boss, it's a bad agreement. You should be able to go and have those people follow you because they're not there because they like the, the fit of the chair. Right. You know, they're there because they like the haircut that they're getting. Absolutely. It is so hard to find a good hairdresser. Who charges a reasonable rate. It's really important. I'm not joking right now. I finally found uh-huh. my guy. And, like, if he ever leaves, I'm up, I'm in trouble. Um, same thing with, like, a, a dog groomer. Like, we've lost dog groomers before. Just gone, poof, vanished. And the people won't tell us what happened to them or right. how to get in touch with them uh, because they want us to stay there. And it's it's you're, you're not only hurting your, um, your former employee, you're also harming your customers, too, because you might be – pairing them up with a, an inferior dog groomer compared to the person who just <laughs> left, you know? Yeah. Uh, I should shout out my hairstylist because it's fairly recent because I recently in our Amaro podcast mm-hmm. talked about our friend Thomas, who is the father of one of Ruby's friends. Uh, Thomas's wife and Ruby's friend's mom is Robin, and she is my friend and stylist. Nice. Well, then I'll she's sh- great. I'll shout out Michael, my hairstylist. And if they went, so, you know, if Robin decided to go to another place, I wouldn't be like, no, I'm really uh, uh, super loyal to the walls of that building that I was in. Right. No, I'd follow Robin where she went. Yeah, agreed, totally. I'd follow Michael to the ends of the earth. <laughs> Aw. So there's another way to look at all this stuff too, Chuck. You ready? Yeah. People who are pro non-disclosure agreements mm-hmm. say that these things work Not, in— the- uh, Non-competes, you mean? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Man, I just gave away something we're going to talk about (laughs) later. People who are in favor of non-competes say that the opposite holds true, too, where if you take away non-competes, then companies might be less willing to invest in their employees because they're going to, um, you know, possibly walk off. Um, Yeah. that's, That's probably the best argument they have against them, but it's very similar. I was trying to think of an analogy, and the best I could come up with is saying, like, uh, because there's a chance that some of our guys are going to strike out, we're just not going to play baseball. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then if the whole inherent unfairness of a, a, a non-compete agreement, by the way, like all the all the pros are done now. Um, <laughs> if it hasn't become clear yet, you can if you take the business out of it, uh-huh. it becomes much clear, right? So if you look at your employment between a worker and an employer mm-hmm. as a relationship, like between a, 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 a boyfriend and a girlfriend or something. Like, if you break up, it's like the boyfriend saying, you can't date anybody for a year. Right. <laughs> or you can't date anybody in this state for a year. Go ahead and move up, end your life. Yeah. That's fine. But no one in this state 
You can date, yeah. and then it can get but even I can. worse. It, yes, that's that's a great point. Yeah. And then it can get even worse. The boyfriend can dump you and still say you're not allowed to date anybody for a year. Right. When I thought of it like this, like I already knew they were inherently unfair, but it really kind of settled in. So I wanted to share that with everybody. <laughs> That's good. What's interesting, especially when you look at um, the example of like a hairstylist, is chances are that hairstylist was already a good hairstylist when they started working for that place. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't kind of how these things started out, which is, you know, segues us into the history where you – I don't know anything about cutting hair, and I'm just going to apprentice with you for a while. Right. And, and you're going to teach me everything I know about how to cut hair. Like, that's a little more understandable. And that's, at least in England, that was the history of non-competes was in 15th and 16th centuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it was set up was there were, you know, master craftspeople, and then they had apprentices working for them, and they would teach them their trade and, in turn, get a lot of work out of this person. And then they could go on and try to become a master craftsman themselves, start up their own, you know, haberdasher or shoe shop or whatever. <laughs> uh, and early on, in, uh, for quite a long time even, the courts of England and the laws of England roundly sided with employees when it came to uh, case law, and the very first of which was uh, the Dyer's case of 1414. Yeah, which established a precedent that lasted for hundreds of years which is basically there was a, a dyer, um, you know, a fabric dyer in London mm-hmm. who had an apprentice, and the apprentice was ready to become a journeyman, no longer an apprentice, going off to strike out and form his own business. And he said, you're not allowed to do this business in London, all of London, for six months. And in the 15th century, it wasn't very easy to move, right? Right. So um, the guy took him to court somehow in the 15th century way, and the court said, we rule (laughs) against you, Dyer. We rule in favor of your journeyman apprentice because they reasoned that the law and custom should keep um, work in the public domain. Labor should be as free to do as much as it can for as many people as possible. Yeah, which makes sense. Like. Maybe there aren't enough talented dyers in London right now. Right. And for goodness sakes, like the people need their tie-dyed frocks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thou blowest my mind. <laughs> That's good. I was waiting for another wavy gravy joke. I know he's your go-to. Yes. <laughs> he he's the only one I can ever think of. Uh, and the, then the other one is that, and this is a big part of this precedent, was that Um, someone should be allowed to go make a living doing what they've learned to do. Right. And there's something inherent in both of those reasonings that set that legal precedent in that they recognize that a non-compete favors essentially one person, one group, one employer, one company, one business owner at at the expense of everybody else. Right. And they kept that up for hundreds of years. Um, the, the, um, the, the, what are they called? I guess the, the guild members who yeah. were employing apprentices. Um, over the years, they employed more and more apprentices as there was more and more people who needed more and more work. So there's more and more attempts. I, I don't think I could say more and more any more times. <laughs> but there are more and more attempts. I could. Um, at at creating these um, non-compete agreements, but yeah. the, the courts kept basically saying, nine, no, no. Although there was one that kind of went the opposite way, which does seem like they made the right decision, but it sent another precedent that actually upholds uh, uh, non-competes, right? Yeah, this is Mitchell versus Reynolds in 1711. 
and Reynolds was a baker. And this one is is uh, I agree. It's a definitely an interesting case because mm-hmm. it's not like your standard employee employer kind of thing. Right. Um, Reynolds was a baker who said, "Hey, I will lease." Hey there, Mitchell. I'll lease you my bakery mm-hmm. for five years, and you can do all the baking and make the money. Uh, and I'm not going to go start another bakery in this town, uh, which is St. Andrews Holborn. <laughs> and I, I don't know why I lost the accent halfway through that. <laughs> uh, and if I violate this agreement, I'll give you 50 pounds. And uh, that's exactly what I'll do, though. I will go on to break this deal. I'm going to sell my stuff in town. And my baguettes or what what have you. Mm-hmm. And Mitchell took uh, Reynolds to court, and the judge sided with Mitchell in this case. Yeah, because uh, I'm not quite sure I get it though. The this is this is why this is why I think um, it makes sense to us too. Mitchell and Reynolds were um, equal parties to this agreement. There was right. no power position of one over the other. And that's one of the reasons why non-competes are so unfair. It's a really powerful entity taking advantage of the less power of the the other person, the the employee that's on the other side of the equation. In this case, they were equal, and the guy broke it, and yeah, he should pay because he agreed to this ahead of time without any kind of, of, you know, coercion or anything like that. Because Mitchell was able to run this business and do the baking and make money. And Reynolds was getting uh, lease income from Mitchell. Yeah. So he Reynolds is trying to have his uh, cake and eat it too, basically. Exactly. He was a real big jerkwad from what I can tell. <laughs> we we bleeped out your first take, which was a cuss word, but j- jerkwad sounds grosser than what you said. I think jerkwad was better. I, I made the right decision <laughs> in retaking that. Uh, things, you know, started changing when industrial capitalism became a big thing. Yeah. And the courts started kind of flipping a little bit. All of a sudden they said, wait, this big business and, uh, capitalism is great. So we should be a little more, uh, pro employer than employee, Mm -hmm. uh, generally speaking. And I think it was basically by the mid 1800s that, uh, they said, hey, we believe in freedom of contract, which basically means if you're both agreeing to this thing, mm-hmm. then you should be able to agree to this thing. Right, which, again, it makes sense if you're Mitchell or Reynolds who are on even footing when entering into that contract. But right. people still use freedom of contract as a defense of, of non-competes, and we'll we'll walk down that path a little more later. I say, Chuck, for right now, let's just go ahead and take a break. Let's do it. All right, I agree. Let's sign a contract. Agreed. Burning stuff with Joshua and Charles. Stuff you should All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. 
That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. Hey, everybody. It's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website, whether it's an online course or custom merch. Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee, or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. So all this is going on in England, and at the same time, America's doing its thing, buying Louisiana, et cetera. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there wasn't really any big uh, non-compete rulings until, I think, 1851. But leading up to that, there's a legal scholar named Aisha Bell Hardaway, who Livia found. Livia helped us with this one. And um, uh, Aisha Bell Hardaway says that there was still a bunch of, like, legal precedents and rulings and laws mm-hmm. that were established that basically support the idea that non-competes are unfair and that people should have the ability to uh, move about from employer to employer until they find a good match, um, and that a lot of that came from Reconstruction Era and the Black Codes and some of the laws that protected newly freed slaves um, to from, like, really— um, predatory business contracts that, like, they could they could go to jail if they ended the business co- if they stopped working for the person you know early they could go to jail for five or ten years or something crazy like that. So the the um, the U.S. government, the federal government, start, started stepping in and creating these laws and including the Thirteenth Amendment that protected people from that. And uh, Hardaway argues that that's kind of a basis for the America's position on um, on non competes. Yeah, like congratulations on your emancipation. Um, now you can enter into a work contract that's basically the same thing as being enslaved, right? Uh, except you know you're you're making money, but if you quit your job, you're going to 
jail. But also <laughs> making money, but you're making just enough to live. Well, and sure. you're you're you need your job so badly you are engaged in um what's known as wage slavery, where you're yeah. so dependent on your job, you're essentially stuck and your employer can treat you however they want because Number one, you're disposable because there's plenty of other people who need a job. And then secondly, they know that you can't go anywhere. You're stuck. You need this job. And they often mistreat employees, and it still happens today. Yeah, and like in England, early on in the United States, the courts generally were siding on the uh, side of employees. Uh, there are quite a few cases that sort of laid out precedent. Um, one was really big uh, in 1872, California, even way back then, said, we're going to be a bunch of liberal hippies and we're going to ban non-competes altogether. Mm -hmm. uh, because here in the United States, if you don't live here, a lot of times states are free to make their own laws concerning things having to do with their state, states' rights. States' rights. And uh, <laughs> that was a very uh, low-key mantra. <laughs> states' rights. <laughs> Uh, and California was one of the first states to to complete, or maybe the first state to completely ban non-competes. Yeah, they said we don't know who he is yet, but in a hundred or so years, Wavy Gravy's gonna love this. <laughs> and it went that way for you know most of the 20th century. Um, if NCAs were allowed, they were pretty limited in their enforcement, um, <clears throat> and usually covered things like we talked about, like trade secret cases and mm -hmm. things like that, because you know enforcement. I didn't know about any of this stuff until you and I entered the world of like signing contracts as podcasters and stuff. Mm -hmm. I had always just had jobs where you could work and get fired and quit and it was no big deal. <laughs> right. um, but I think you and I learned an awful lot about uh, contract stuff yeah. through our work and like how to read them and how many words there are in them. Yeah. And how lawyers charge so much money for reading those words. In, in perpetuity. <laughs> In perpetuity throughout the known universe. Yeah, throughout the known universe. That was in one of them once, right? Yeah, so like we couldn't go to Mars <laughs> right. and set up a, a Mars farm nope. and start podcasting about it. No, nope. we'd be served on Mars. Uh, but anyway, we learned, uh, and th this was shocking to hear, of something just called uh, unenforceability of a contract. We kind of thought going into this thing, like Rube's like, well, no, contracts, that's, that means you signed a contract. They're like, no, you still got to enforce this. It's just like setting a law. Someone can still break that law. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to have enforceability. And a lot of times these things were not enforceable in the United States. Right. But still the, are. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But if you are um, somebody who's like a highly skilled laborer mm -hmm. who has access to proprietary information, trade secrets, um, intellectual property, uh, all just really high level stuff as far as a corporation is concerned, very valuable stuff too. If you're one of those workers and you signed a non-compete agreement and you break it, you're probably going to get ruled against depending on the state. If it's a state that, that uh, allows non-compete agreements, you're probably going to lose that case because the courts have typically said, okay, at that level, you can probably hire a lawyer who yeah. can explain to you what you're getting into beforehand 
uh, you probably have a, a little bit of leverage where you can say, I don't want to sign a non-compete. I'll give this up instead. Or right. uh, conversely, you can say, I'll sign your non-compete, but you got to up gotta, my, yeah. my uh, salary by 10% or something like that. And in that respect, it goes back to the Mitchell versus Reynolds case. These two people, the employer and the employee, are on relatively equal footing, uh, enough so that they're able to negotiate this non-compete. And um, that's why it would be upheld typically. That's when, that's when it actually really makes sense. Yeah. So that brings us to today. Um, like I said, I think uh, one in five people in the United States work under a non-compete. Um, employers generally over the 21st century have gained more leverage and more power over workers, even though I think starting in uh, with COVID in 2020, I think there's been um, not I think, like it's been pretty well documented that there's uh, been a, a shift toward employees gaining a little more power and leverage. Yeah, but that's new because it went the exact that's what opposite said, direction. 2020, yeah. Yeah, it went the opposite direction starting around the 2008 financial meltdown. Yeah. Um, there's a guy named Evan Starr who uh, Olivia found that's an economist at the University of Maryland. And it's kind of, if you just start researching non-competes online, you'll see Evan Starr name, uh, Starr's name come up a lot. And uh, if you're like a, a CEO or a, not a CEO, but an executive, let's say, mm -hmm. executive level employee, chances are you're working under a non-compete. I think 60 to 80 percent uh, have to sign them. That seems and low, then, doesn't it? Yeah, I would think it'd be more like 80 to 90 percent. Yeah, me too. But I mean, who knows where they get these stats? You know? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Evan <laughs> Starr just makes them up as he goes along. He's like 60 <laughs> no, to 80 sounds real. I don't think so. Um, but 20%, uh, so 60 to 80 are high level executive level, uh, but 20% of all private sector workers are under a non-compete. About 12% of those make under 20 grand a year. Uh, and this is really surprising. 17% are in service work and the food and beverage industry. Yeah. And so because there's so many more just like normal everyday employees compared to like higher level executives, and the, because they've been papering so many employees with non-compete agreements, the, the average person in, a, in the United States working under a non-compete is an hourly worker making $14 an hour, being forced to sign a non-compete. And I say forced because in the case of um, like a, a high-level executive who's able to negotiate or Mitchell and Baker – the, in, in this case, the employee is not able to negotiate anything. Right. The, the courts typically say you can sign a non-compete, but the company should give you something in consideration, typically right. some sort of additional pay or something like that. In the, in the world of a, a $14 an hour uh, hourly yeah. worker who's signing a non-compete, the consideration is you get to be employed here. That's, right. our, that's your consideration. You get to have this job. That yeah. is in no way, shape, or form equal footing. And that's no. why so many people point to these things and they're like, this is this is jerkwad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the New York Times had a big sort of expose in uh, 2014 where it was revealed that, uh, and get these jobs, uh, lawn care workers, again, hairstylists, mm -hmm. uh, summer camp counselors had all signed non-compete agreements that was just sort of slipped in with their paperwork not realizing they'd signed it, not fully explained or maybe explained even at all by their employers. They're just like, here's your start work. Just sign here, 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 here. Right. And 
there was a special case, uh, I believe, that the Huffington Post um, sort of exposed from Jimmy John's, uh, the sandwich shop, where employees had to sign a non-compete that said, you can't leave Jimmy John's and go work for, you know, uh, a sandwich company not to be named. <laughs> They're like, really, say it, say it. <laughs> really, uh, I'm just going to go take the underground train and leave this meeting. <laughs> Uh, really any sandwich shop, of course, but I think they mean their main competitor probably, uh, within three miles of any Jimmy John's, not just the one you worked at. Right. And I don't know about their, their real estate plan for that company, but I bet you anything, part of their strategy is to open their restaurants within three miles of one of those other restaurants. Yep. So basically said, I'm sorry if you're a sandwich artist, but you can no longer really do this job. Right. And I mean, this isn't like... Like, people who are sandwich artists typically, uh, like, need a job. Like, there's very few independently wealthy people who go get a job at Jimmy John's because they like making sandwiches during the day. You know? Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a good job. I'm sure it's very fulfilling. But typically, when you have that job, you need the job. And so the idea of putting a person in that position into, uh, like, just hobbling them as far as work goes is yeah. disp- Despicable, man. I don't know if it's coming across how I feel about <laughs> non-competes, but just every single example just gets me riled up, you know? You want to hear something kind of fun? Yeah. Um, our friend John Hodgman mm-hmm. loves making breakfast sandwiches so much that uh, he spends his summers in Maine and there's a, a local, like, breakfast oh, yeah. place. Mm-hmm. And he, he makes... He goes there and works occasionally for free. Yeah. Just for the love of making breakfast sandwiches. Yeah, but also I don't think you can discount holding court among oh, everybody well, sure. too. <laughs> I think that's part of his compensation. Yeah, and and the the t-shirt money he gets from uh the, my egg sandwich was made by John Hodgman. <laughs> yeah. Humor, humorous John Hodgman. That's the sweetest plum. Uh we should point out too though by the way uh that Jimmy Johns um did that for a couple of years and then when the state attorney general started investigating, they dropped that practice. Oh, that's good. Sure. Nothing like a state investigation to <laughs> to get you uh, within the bounds of uh, ethics and Morality morals. and decency. Yeah. Um, there's also something called a no-poach agreement, which came under fire in the 2010s as well, um, where if you open a franchise, uh, you would probably sign a no-poach agreement saying that you wouldn't hire any worker from another store uh, in that company, another franchise, say, like, across town. Right. This is really hard to give examples and not buzz market any companies, you know? I know, yeah. I think we're doing it, though. We're doing okay. So, like, if you went to, um, you know, Mr. Sandwich, and uh, <laughs> you didn't like your boss there, so you, you went to go get hired at another Mr. Sandwich, if they had a no-poach agreement, that second Mr. Sandwich would say, sorry, right. we can't hire you. Um, yeah, and or that's terrible, conver- too. Yeah, conversely, if you... If you run uh, an, uh, Mr. Roast Beef Sandwich Place and you have the meat, as an owner, you can't go, geez, the uh, Fred over there at the Crosstown Mr. Roast Beef Sandwich really moves that beef mm-hmm. like nobody I've ever seen. This mm-hmm. guy sells beef like a champion. You can't say entice this person by saying, hey, I'll pay an extra buck fifty an hour right. to make your beef sales over here. Yeah, that would be poaching for sure. And then um, th- you can you can thank, uh, again, state investigations for doing away with this largely. Some of the larger chains said, oh, yeah, we shouldn't do that. We're not going to do that anymore. You can call off your um, state attorney's investigations. <laughs> 
So we've been sort of peppering in the uh, I'm against NCA arguments. Um, there are actual statistics to mm-hmm. kind of back up some of the stuff that we feel passionately about. Mm-hmm. Uh, one In one case, uh, in the state of Oregon in 2008, they banned non-competes for most workers. Uh, but one of the um, categories was uh, low-wage hourly employees that we were speaking about. And Mr. Starr comes back in the picture, and a gentleman named Michael uh, Lipsitz of the FTC Bureau of Economists, and they did some statistical analysis and found that in Oregon, uh, hourly wages rose 2 to 3%, not just for people who had signed uh, NCAs, but for everybody in the state. Yeah. And they reckon that maybe between 14 and 21% of people who signed NCAs had their uh, – well, wait, was it 14 to 21% of workers? No, that's how much was their that wages the increased. Yeah. yeah, their wages increased 14 to 21%. For people who had been working under non-competes after they were banned, it went that's up right. that much. That is a – I hate the word whopping so much uh-huh. because <laughs> I want to do a little tangent here, Chuck. Um, if you use the word whopping in your okay. writing, uh-huh. what you're doing is you're assuming that your reader is too stupid to understand that what, statistic. you, what yeah. statistic you just said is actually like eye-popping or like really significant. Or you're, whopping. You're spoon-feeding them the fact uh-huh. that like, hey, this is a really big deal. <laughs> Rather than just letting them figure it out themselves or knowing that they probably are going to figure it out themselves. So don't use whopping. But the point is this. That statistic is so huge. I will use the word whopping here because it's the true definition of whopping. It's overwhelming. I can barely speak. It's such a big deal. Uh, I think instead of writing whopping, though, what you can do is say, uh, get a load of this and then have a little <laughs> button you click that goes, doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, how about this for a whopping statistic, though, to just sort of button up on the stats? Uh, the FTC has estimated that if they eliminated NCAs all across the country, um, I guess federally, or if every state did, uh, it would generate new job opportunities for up to 30 million workers mm-hmm. and raise wages by $300 billion. Yeah, for those workers, basically. Uh, that's not even spillover stuff from what I understand. And there's another little stat from that same FTC study that if you eliminated non-competes for doctors, um, healthcare costs would go down by about $148 billion, too. Wow. Yeah, which is another problem in and of itself. Doctors who sign non-competes can't move from hospital to hospital. And so hospitals can basically hoard um, medical talent while other hospitals are starving for it because these doctors have non-competes. They can't just go to this other hospital that really needs their help, and that's that's a problem, too. I mean, it's bad enough with, like, franchises of Mr. Sandwich. When it's right. hospitals <laughs> preventing doctors from going to heal the sick, that's a huge problem as well. Yeah. Um, if you're arguing against NCAs, uh, California, like I said, was very early to get on that uh, anti-NCA train. People often point to California, and especially the t- uh, tech industry. Um, like in 2014, the state of Massachusetts said, should we ban non-competes or not? Uh, they eventually did in 2018. Mm-hmm. But they said one of their arguments was, look at California. Yeah. Like back in the 70s, we were on par with uh, like the Boston area was on par with San Francisco as far as tech development. And the fact that we had non-competes really hindered us. And look at what happened in California. It's now the, t- the tech capital of the United States, if not the world, mm-hmm. uh, Northern California and Silicon Valley 
And Boston, you know, didn't fall off the map. There's still good tech there, but it didn't become what California did. No, because the NCAs were so efficiently enforced that when you signed on for a company, you're like, well, I'm here for the rest of my career. Yeah. And ideally, you know, the the company would take care of you for the rest of your career. So there was a trade-off for that. But that just meant that there were no people jumping ship and, like, starting their own companies. And they were doing that in Silicon Valley. Um, I say we take a break, but I've got two more um, arguments against non-competes. Uh-huh. So uh, one is that it stagnates job churn, and job churn is people being able to move from employer to employer until they find mm-hmm. the right fit, because ideally yeah. every worker and every employer would fit and work together well, which would raise general productivity through the roof if, of course. if that were you know able to be done. And job churn is how that happens. And then in a related way, If people are allowed to just jump ship from a terrible company, that company is bound to basically say, we need to figure out what's wrong with us and get better or else we're going to not be competitive anymore and our company's going to go under. If you force everybody to stay aboard the sinking ship through non-competes. That's no way to do it. No. Plus, I mean, you're just basically stagnating your company and the careers of the people who are on board. Yeah, you, you keep people by being a great company to work for. Exactly. You don't. Not by holding them hostage because their name is on a piece of paper. I'm glad you said it, man. That's a great time <laughs> for a break. All right, we'll be right back. Learning stuff with Joshua and Charles. Stuff you should know. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, everybody. Did you know that Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico? But it's more than just a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Yeah, that's right. It's an island that's filled with adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the entire United States. That's right. Or you can get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico that remind you of why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island. It becomes a part of you. That's right. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hey, friends. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. Like, what are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood the best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Yeah, well, now it is, everybody, on Homes.com. 
They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Right, so early on, you said that's the last argument for NCAs. Um, that's not entirely true, but uh, there is one group who would say that NCAs are great, <laughs> and that is the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Um, and they say that one of the things that we um, we didn't like completely quash, but they say, hey, when you sign a non-compete, that means you're probably getting something good back in return too, mm-hmm. which means it's equal footing. And like you said earlier, unless you're like a really top tier echelon person who's a, a, able to negotiate like, hey, a, a 25% bump in salary mm-hmm. to sign this thing, then you're probably not getting, getting nothing in return. Yeah, you're just getting the job and shut up and be happy that you even have a job. Get That's to right. work, basically. Um, another one is that, that that thing that you and I agreed on that that companies would probably be a little more uh, likely to invest in their workers Right. If they have a good sense that their workers aren't going to just leave for their competitors. Yeah. That holds up, but it only holds up to a certain extent because if you invest in your workers and like really good training, Mm -hmm. uh, what you're doing is producing an employee who understands your product, understands how the business goes, understands their department really well. So they're probably really good at customer service. They know what they can and can't promise. They Mm -hmm. understand what can be replaced with what. They're just, they know what they're doing. And so productivity goes up, which means that by training that worker, you're actually making your money back and then some. There's a return on investment. And that usually comes pretty quickly after they come on board and are brought up to speed and become productive. So after, throughout the life of that person's employment with you, you made your money back in, say, like the first quarter of that time. The rest of it is just profit from that higher yeah. productivity. So it does hold up. The argument does hold up, but it only holds up so far. Right. And then um, one other thing is that the Chamber of Commerce likes to do that freedom of contract thing where they're like, right. hey, we should not be treading on employees' rights as adults. They say this sometimes. As it's adults, to sign whatever contract yeah. they please. Uh-huh. And they leave out of it entirely the imbalance of power. But right. that's, one of their, that's one of their talking points as well, typically. Freedom of contract. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned, uh, and you sort of inadvertently teased earlier, other kinds of agreements. And we mentioned these because a lot of these are workarounds to just signing a full non-compete. Uh, like the trade secret thing that we mentioned, mm-hmm. you can sign a non-disclosure agreement or an intellectual property agreement. Um, in the case of non-disclosure, it means you can't disclose stuff that went on at your company. Like we can't, you know, in the case of like podcast networks, you couldn't jump to another podcast network and say, oh, well, this is how we do our ad sales or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do that because you signed a, an NDA Um but that's not the same thing as a non-compete. You can still go get that job. Um, with IP property uh, or intellectual property agreements, that's obviously if you work for that company and you come up with an idea while you're working for that company, they mm-hmm. basically own that idea. 
Another one is a non-solicitation agreement, mm-hmm. uh, which is sort of like a non-poaching thing. Yeah. Uh, which means you can't go out and, um, like, if we went and started our own podcast network, we couldn't just sign all of our friends that we've worked with for 20 years. Right. Or, you know, get all the customers or something that we've been interacting with as salespeople for whatever company we work for. Yeah. But here's the thing with some of these, like, like I have a friend who worked for someone doing a service uh, as the employee, and I don't want to get too specific, but the the employer, like, usually when you're like, you know what, I could do this, and I'd be, I'm better at it, and I could do better at it, and the clients will follow me, usually you're doing that because the situation you're in stinks. You know, like you got an owner that's not treating you right, or an owner that doesn't do any of the work, and they're just sitting back and collecting checks while you're doing everything. Right. Usually, I mean, sometimes people, it's just like, got a great situation, and they're like, you know, I would like to do this myself as well. That does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it's usually because, like, it's a bad employer and a bad business to begin with. The, the other way, it's got to be so frustrating, too, if you're working under a non-compete, is if you have this great idea and you do what you're supposed to do in that situation as an employee, and you take it to your employer and right. say, let's do this. This is going to make the company a bunch of money. And they're like, nah, it's not worth it. And so yeah. your your idea just dies. Then right. people like you and me, um, we suffer for that because we miss out on that amazing innovation or that extra competition that drives prices down a little bit. It has right. a huge kind of society-wide effect. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess the last thing we should mention is the pay not to play. It's also called the garden leave, Mm -hmm. like you're taking time off to tend to your garden. This is when an employee leaves and a a company might say, hey, don't go work for a competitor for six months, but we'll pay you for those six months. Yeah, it's often something like 50% of the salary that you had over the last two years or something. Yeah, exactly. Which is pretty sweet. And again, that's consideration in exchange for signing a a non-compete. Which makes right. sense. Or, or, or you might get bought out of a contract or something like, uh, hey, we'll just buy you out of your contract, but you can't go work for anyone else. Yeah. So, Chuck, there's if, if you weren't like, boo, I hate non-competes before, prepare to join the wagon or jump on the wagon. Yeah, the sure. bandwagon. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, some companies, including companies in California, still use non-competes. They still make their employees sign them, and they do this because they can still threaten their employees with mm-hmm. with a lawsuit for breaking this non-compete that's illegal to begin with because they know their employees either, number one, don't know that non-competes are unenforceable in some states. Yeah. Or number two, even if they do know that, don't have the means to defend themselves, to hire a lawyer to defend themselves, even if they're on the right side of the law. That is despicable. Uh, it is, as is using, saying like, all right, we don't have a non-compete, but we're going to draw up our non-disclosure uh, agreement or non-solicitation agreement mm-hmm. so broadly that it's basically a non-compete. Right. So because of this, because that's becoming more and more common, and apparently also there's a 2022 mag, um, article in Benefits Pro, the Employment Benefits Trade Magazine <laughs> of Record, uh-huh. Um, that said that uh, employers are more and more frequently turning to um, threatening lawsuits over non-competes mm-hmm. because they're they're low on workers because it's a it's an it's a workers market right now it's not an employers right. market anymore so to keep people employed they're th- threatening to sue their own employees basically yeah 
uh, and this is, you know, I'm not sure if you picked this one for this reason, but uh, this is a hot topic right now, uh, largely because of what's been going on with uh, employees getting more rights. And there's a new proposal as of just last month in mm-hmm. January mm-hmm. 2023 from the FTC that would ban non-competes uh, altogether, basically, and void the ones that are currently in place, yeah. which would be a huge deal. Uh, Biden signed a executive order in 2021 that uh, encouraged the FDA to ban and limit them. FTC. Uh, and Yeah, the FTC. And it basically says that it forbids you from using these and uh, you have to, like, let people know, you know, in the case you were talking about in the California where they basically signed them and didn't know, mm-hmm. uh, you have to let these employees know that they're under a non-compete uh, and be, like, really clear with the language. Right. You Well, you also – no, no. It's and, saying, and it's not valid anymore. Right. It's saying, like, you can't, you can't have them. Not only can you not sign somebody under a non-compete agreement, like, you have to let them know that the ones that you used to have that were valid are not valid any longer. They've been outlawed. Yeah, like they shouldn't have to go pay an attorney to tell them that. Exactly. And it even goes even further. So some of those like um, other types, like a non-disclosure agreement that can be so broad, it's effectively a non-compete. Those yeah. are those are basically outlawed as well. It's a huge idea. Um, and right now they're taking public comments uh, through March 20th. So if you're like, I... Well, here's ours. Exactly. If, if you're like, I don't really feel good about uh, non-disclosure agreements or non-competes, um, then you can go leave your, your remarks. The Chamber of Commerce said, we're going to sue you, FTC. Yeah, of you course can't they are. do this. And the FTC said, oh, yes, we can. So we'll see what happens uh, either with the FTC directly doing it or if the FTC finds out that their hands actually are tied, um, Congress might actually step in. There was a bipartisan bill that was introduced in 2021 that basically By what? Bipartisan, I know. If you can it's believe weird. it, it's yeah. a very strange-sounding word. I'm glad you brought up uh, where I got this idea because it turns out I got this idea from Yumi. She sent me an article about this oh. FTC proposal and how it nice. would save 300 billion or create 300 billion in salary, which is pretty. Was the uh, was the subject line? <laughs> no, she said, "Check out this whopping stat." Right. <laughs> it's like the old clickbait. Yeah, exactly. You won't believe number eight. <laughs> you got anything else? Uh, no, just a listener mail. Okay. Well, since Chuck just mentioned listener mail, that means it's time for listener mail. That reminds me of uh, The Simpsons. Yeah, I know exactly the what you're going to say. Harmon And now I'd like to introduce your new Principal Skinner, <laughs> Principal Skinner. I thought you were going to say, um, you remember our friend Brian, the sound guy from the TV show? Oh, sure. Every once in a while, he um, emails me just one line from The Simpsons. Oh, really? They walk into the bar, and there's like, tons of carbon monoxide in the bar, and everybody's passed out, and the guy says, man alive, there are men alive in here. <laughs> uh, Brian texts me every now and then. He's he's a, uh, a talented musician in the band, the Georgia Soul Council. Yeah, that's right. He's a great anyway, guy, too. Go see them. Um, all right, here we go. New Mom Lifesaver. Uh, We just like these little nice emails every now and then. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys, my now husband introduced me to your show during the infamous spring of 2020, and I've enjoyed hours of educational entertainment since then. Uh, We welcomed our little boy, Ronan, into the world in December, and I'm working on turning him into a fan as well. Uh, Stuff You Should Know has been part of his life since he was a wee embryo. Uh, We listened to a lot of podcasts during my pregnancy. Certainly some of it uh, made it through all that amniotic fluid. (laughs) Uh, I'm currently on maternity leave with him, and we are continuing 
to listen to the podcast together. Have a lot of fun choosing episodes for us to listen to. I hope uh, I think I'll do a great job sharing information with folks in an accessible and inclusive way and hope that maybe some of this information sticks in his subconscious. Uh, if nothing else, hearing else voices and the positivity behind them uh, is great for his brain development and mom gets entertainment too, so everyone wins. Uh, thank you for making these hectic days and long nights of new parenthood more bearable and for teaching both of us something new every episode. Yours truly. It's a great way to sign an email, mm-hmm. by the way. Classic. Uh, Heather and Ronan. And Man. Apparently dad doesn't get any mention except uh, <laughs> turning her on to this thing to yeah, begin with. He's the OG. That's right. That was an amazing email. Thanks, Heather and Ronan. That was yeah. great. Wow. And thanks to Ronan's dad. Yeah. Big thanks to Ronan's nameless dad. <laughs> uh, if you want to get in touch with us like Ronan's nameless dad's wife, Heather, did, you can do it by email. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Just go to canva, C-A-N-V-A, dot com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater.